just because you trip doesn't mean you have to fall. Catch yourself and keep it moving. So yeah, that, that's it. That's it right there. I mean, just keep going. You're not. You haven't failed. Teresa Black is not your average entrepreneur. She's an active duty military officer. She's a single mom. She opened a gelato shop three months before COVID-19 hit, and she's still standing. In this episode of Brand New Blueprint, Teresa shares tips on perseverance and how her business represents a profound promise that she made to her daughter. If you want additional tools to apply what you learn in this episode, just text the word Blueprint to 66866. It's an easy way to give us your email address. Welcome to the second season of Brand New Blueprint, a podcast by Smoketown. I'm your host, Ryan pintado Vertner. This podcast is all about finding new ways to build brands that can change the world. We hear directly from founders and CEOs, and we don't wait until they're already successful and worth zillions of dollars. We hear from them right now while the paint on the blueprint is still wet. And who is Smoketown? Smoketown is a boutique consultancy that improves the growth potential of emerging brands with better marketing strategy, outsourced marketing staffing, and best-in-class consumer research. In other words, we're nerds about this stuff. Here we go. Teresa, welcome to Brand New Blueprint. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, in one of the things that I am really excited to hear more about is you have this amazing journey like that that took you from where you were before this to leading a company and I want to kind of start there. So as I understand it, you uh were in the military immediately prior to to starting the company. C- kind of tell us that story and how you wound up uh starting the business. Actually, I'm still in the military now. Oh, wow. Um, so I can explain that a little bit when I get to the end. But uh, so I went to, I joined the Navy right out of uh, college, uh, became an officer, driving driving ships, uh, fun, fun. Um, I was on an aircraft carrier last, that's my last ship, uh, the GW out of Japan. Um, and I left uh, GW to come to GW Law uh, out in DC. And um I graduated from law school and like literally the Monday after I took the bar exam, I got a call that I'd be getting deployed for a year um, to go out to Djibouti. And like my heart sunk. Uh, Mm. I'm a single mom. So it was one of those things like, like they make us make a plan. Like we have to make right out a plan if we're a single parent and we're in the military. And so I already had a plan that would happen. Like if it would be executed, if I uh, got deployed, but it was still just like, it sucks. Like it's this, oh, my daughter was one at the time and like, she's just, it was just a huge, a huge thing. But anyway, I, I, I passed the bar, got sworn in and then got deployed a little over a month later. And it was a week before my daughter's second birthday. And from the second that I left, I mean, honestly, if I'm being honest, I knew before I left, like I can never do this again. Yeah. I can never deploy and leave her, um, leave her, leave her, leave her behind. And so um, I literally cried every single night that I was gone. And I decided that I was going to start my own business when I got back home. And it took me a while to figure out what that business was going to be. But ultimately, I decided on gelato. Um, one of the big factors in that was that my cousin, who had been taking care of her while I was gone, he started giving her ice cream while I was gone. 
and I was very strict about her diet. I never gave her any of that crap. Uh, she had she had like sugar on her birthday when she was one, and then she had it again on her second birthday. Like those are the only two times in her entire life that she had uh, cane sugar. And then he was just like, "Here you go." <laughs> um, and so she fell in love with ice cream, obviously, like we all do. And so when I got back, I couldn't just be like, "All right, you can't eat this anymore." Um, and so I just made this this ice cream for her, this gelato that was going to be a healthier version, um, so I'd be okay with her eating it, you know. So I, that's why I took out the cane sugar. Um, but ultimately. Um, when I got back, I knew I have five years until they can deploy me again. Um, so technically about four and a half. And so I knew that I had to grow my business to the point where I could get out of the military, um, before four, by four and a half years. Um, and this company is my promise to my daughter that I'm never going to leave her again. And so every single day I fight and work hard to make sure that I don't, I can keep that promise to her. So. Wow. I knew one of the things that stood out to me. Uh, when I met you and as I've gotten to know you is every founder I ever meet has a dedication to their company. Like that's just sort of like that's table stakes, but like there was something different with you and the level of like, this is going to happen. And (laughs) I think I now realize, or let me not put words in your mouth is part of that because like, this is, this is the ticket out of the risk of having to get deployed. It's not part of it. That is it. It is it. Literally is it. When I when I tell you that I cried every single day, I am not exaggerating. Oh, I don't. I believe you. I I, I just and then it wasn't just. I wasn't just crying because I was sad that I was leaving her. I was crying because she couldn't understand why I was gone, and she was. She was only two. And when I tell you the things that she was saying, like she was saying to me, I I remember the first week I was gone. She said, "She said, uh, mommy." Can I come to your house to see you? She thought that I left her and then moved to a new house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then like, I tried to explain to her a million times, like I'm not in another house. I showed her, I lived in a box when I, while I was deployed. Like I showed her my box and she still, she saw it and she accepted, but she still didn't believe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so she was still grappling with, with like why I was gone. She would say, mommy, can you come see me? Um, mm-hmm. She called my cousin's house home. Like, she thought I was never coming back. Even though I told her I was coming back, she like told her little cousin, like my mom's never coming back for me. Um, and then it wasn't until six months after I had been gone. Cause I used to talk to her every night on her Kindle. And she says to me, um, mommy, I, I, I understand that you're stuck in my game. And as soon as you figure out how to get out of it, you'll come back to me. Oh, wow. And it was just like for a two year old to come up with these things, she yeah. had to have been like really thinking about it all the time. Um, and even today, like, it's so funny because like, she's the only four-year-old in the country that knows Africa, knows Djibouti, totally. like, <laughs> but doesn't know like Virginia or yeah. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just, uh, she even said to me the other day, like, mommy, I don't want you to go back to Djibouti. Um, she says it weird though. It's just so, it's so cute the way she says it though. It's just, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, I know personally that I cannot survive another deployment away from her. I can't. Um, and I, I don't want her to have to deal with that again. So yeah, every single day is a fight to, to make sure that I don't have to leave her. Yeah. There are so many ways in which people like me who are civilians take for granted what uh, folks in the military are doing to serve the country and to sacrifice themselves and I'll just be right up front that 
like 90% of what you just said, I have never fully considered. Like I, I'll, I'll be completely vulnerable and, and honest about that. You know, and I wonder if, if that, like my ignorance on that front, does that ring true for you as you meet other people and sort of like, as you've been in the military all this time, like people just on a basic level, just kind of don't get it. I mean, it's pretty much, it's impossible to get it unless you have one of those jobs that takes you away all the time. So like there's contractor jobs that, that you're always gone. Like right. pilot, sometimes you're gone a lot, but unless you're actually experiencing it, it's not something that anybody considers because why would you? Right. I mean, I think the part that a lot of people think about when you're thinking about the military, you're like, oh, they could die. Right? Mm-hmm. They could die for our country. And like you respect them for potentially like for, for, for volunteering to put their lives on the line um, for, for like to defend your country. Right. But like, you don't, you don't consider like that they don't see their families. Some people come back. Like the reason I got out of active duty was because like, I saw dads come back from deployment and their kids didn't know who they were, like mm-hmm. did not know them. And I don't know what I would have done that if something like that happened to me. And so that's one of the big reasons that made me get out of active duty, but like just for it to happen anyway. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, it's not a fault at for, on civilians it's just like it's not a reality that you have to face so why would you think about it yeah right that's that's well put uh and so there's another thing that i'm just like basic level of ignorance on the distinction between active duty in the way that you were deployed and served and whatever status you have now and whatever would happen, I think you said four and a half or so years from now. Can you just help unpack that for me and the audience, which probably shares my largely shares my <laughs> ignorance? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I was active duty for four and a half years before I got out. So what that means is that you're full time working in the military. Um, so I was stationed on ships, like whether it was the ship in, that I had in San Diego or the one in in uh, Japan. During that time, um, in those four and a half years, I went on three deployments. Uh, those deployments are usually shorter because you're on ship. So they're like six to seven months, sometimes nine months. But like the longest time I spent out to sea was we spent three straight months out to sea on my first deployment, um, which is uh, very, very difficult. But it's not anything like, I mean, I guess it, I didn't have, I didn't have family then. So I didn't have kids then. So it's different when you're going out there as a single person with no like friends. Yeah. And family, like regular family, but not like a child or a wife or a husband. Um, and so it wasn't that bad. Uh, but then, so I got out of that and then I moved over to the reserves. So the reserves is you're just going out there. You, 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 um, you have a duty to go out to wherever you're assigned to for two weeks, I mean, for two weeks out of the year and one weekend a month. Um, so it's like, it's not a full-time job at all. It's not even a part-time job, really. It's, uh, like a side, a side gig, I guess you can call it. Um, but when I got mobilized to go on deployment, then I was full-time again. Uh, but except for instead of being full-time at home, which you can be, you can actually get mobilized and still be in the United States. Um, I was, I was mobilized to a combat zone outside of the country, which means you can't bring your family and they have you living in a metal box in the middle of a desert. And that was in Djibouti. Yeah. And you have no say so. No. So if you volunteer, you can volunteer. So there's an option to volunteer to go somewhere and then you, you do have a say. That's the best part of the, about the reserves is that you can actually volunteer to go places and you're not just voluntold is what we call it. Right. Um, when you're active, they volunteer you. You're going to this place, you're going to that place. And in the reserves, you can usually volunteer unless you're mobilized, at which point you're being voluntold again. Yeah. The idea that you don't want to get voluntold again, how does that relate to what you were describing as 
Amore Congelato being the the ticket out of that? Help 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 me and the audience understand the relationship between those two things. So I'm a single mom. I everything financially is completely on me. And the military is a good job. Um, no matter which one you would look at it, they provide mm. health insurance. Uh, I pay for it as a reservist, but I still it's still a very good uh, health insurance program. And um, they provide income as well. Oh. And so for me to just if I would have gotten back home and just quit the military, there goes my daughter's health insurance. Right. Um, there goes my my income, because when I first launched a business, I wasn't paying myself. So. I would have nothing coming in, but also like nothing to, to keep her safe either. And so I'm paying, I, I own my own house. Like I, I have my own car. Like I need to be able to pay for these things and keep a roof over her head and make sure she has food in her stomach. Uh, and so I'm staying in the military until my business is to the point where I feel comfortable that I can provide for her without having the military. Mm-hmm. And so I need to do that by four and a half years. And if I don't, then some hard choices have to be made. Right. Right. Wow. Well, it is a um, an even more gripping story than <laughs> than I knew. Um, I just can't I, I can't emphasize enough how amazing it is to um, consider how much you've done. And on top of that, you have a law degree from you said GW, so George Washington in in St. Louis. No, uh, GW in uh, DC. Ah, uh, oh, it's in DC. Um, yeah. So on top of that, you've you you you're a a, a bar a, 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 you've, you're an attorney with and past the bar, and I mean it's just like my head is spinning right now. <laughs> uh, so uh, you told me this wonderful story about uh, when you opened the gelato shop. You you know the the whole reason for for this business is so that you can spend more time with and be available for Bella, your daughter, and that you set up this little kind of corner of the shop where it had toys and stuff where she could hang out. And, you know, when other kids came with their families, they could hang out too. And I wonder, as you think about the decisions that you've made as an entrepreneur and as a mom, are there other decisions like that, that uh, you've had to make to, to balance those two worlds of being an entrepreneur and, and not just being a mom, but being a single mom. I mean, yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, it's very difficult to have to try to make decisions when it comes to my business um, that, because I can't just focus, I can't just be making decisions that are only taking business into account. And, and most entrepreneurs can do that, which makes it a little bit easier. Um, But for me, anything that I personally do, it's going to directly impact Isabella. So it's one of those things that's like, when I first opened my store, I was there all the time. And if I'm there all the time, Isabella, she refused to go to the babysitter. So like she was there all the time. Um, and, and while there were other kids coming and she was able to play with them and everything like that, that was fine because it was for her, it was just like being home. It was better than being home because at home she doesn't have, she doesn't have brothers and sisters or anything. So she's by herself. Um, and so that was fine. But then as soon as as soon as COVID hit and I could no longer allow people into the store, then it became like, I felt horrible for having her there because it was almost like I was keeping her in a prison. Um, and so I had to decide like, all right, do I hire more people and have them work more hours so that I can spend more time without her being here? It's like, because I signed up to be an entrepreneur. I signed up to work these long hours, but she's a little kid. 
And while she might not be working, it kind of is like her work whenever she's there, if she can't play with her friends, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I had to make the executive call to just be like, all right, we're going to rearrange this whole schedule. Um, I need to work, but I can work from home. Um, I can have someone at the, at the shop and I'll come in on weekends and we'll, we'll still do that. But like Isabella needs to be in bed by a certain time so that she can wake up for school in the morning. Um, Isabella needs to be able to run around outside and play, whether it's by herself or with other kids with her, with their masks, you know, um, Isabella needs to be able to run around the house even because like the shop, the shop is small. Like while it has all these toys, if she's by herself, she's like, she feels like she's trapped. Um, and so like all these decisions that just have to be made, like, and then like, I have to find time also to like hang out with her, read books, to go over schoolwork, to take her to the library, to go to the playground, like to run around. I used to ride my bike around with, I have a little seat on the back of my bike uh, where she just sits, sits and we just ride around the neighborhood. Um, but it's just like, I have to be a mom first, even though I'm a single entrepreneur, like a solo entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I have to make decisions like that all the time, but I'm happy to make them because yeah, I started this business so I would never have to get deployed again. But I also started this business because I wanted to spend more time with her uh, because I obviously could have come back and become a lawyer, worked as an attorney, um, but I'd be working like 80 hour weeks. And that's part of the reason I decided not to do that. Right. Because I wanted to spend time with her. So if, if for me to start a business and then not do that thing that I, you know what I mean, that I made right. this company for, it just seemed like it was like counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I realized is because you have this amazing story, we kind of like jumped right into the story. And we haven't talked a lot about the gelato that you make and this brand that you're <laughs> building. Like, it, what? Tell us about it. Like, what? 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 What's the? What makes it different? What? What's? What are you up to? Yeah. So right now we are launching our non-dairy gelato into grocery stores, um, and that gelato is oat milk based. Um, so my daughter is is allergic to soy. And so like a lot of the milk alternatives, like you have the soy and then you have the nuts, which my kids not allergic to nuts, but a lot of other kids are. Um, so I avoided those, those uh, milk alternatives in, 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 um, in favor of oat milk for that reason, but also because oat milk tastes very close to regular dairy milk. And so the idea is that ultimately we can help to improve the environment by encouraging people to try this, this gelato that tastes like dairy ice cream, you know, um, and, and then lean away from dairy so kind of like the beyond meat idea is that like we can help to save the environment by making people less dependent upon animal-based products um and lead them towards these plant-based products um by giving them products that taste exactly what what they what they're looking for in the dairy side of things um so i make this gelato um i don't use any cane sugar i use only fruit-based uh sweeteners so it's a uh, it's a patent pending combination of agave nectar coconut uh sugar and, and dates and date syrup. Um, and so for the non-dairy version of it, it's high, it's high in fiber um, and obviously uh, dairy-free and plant-based, but with the dairy version, um, it is high in nutrients. So it's very nutrient rent rich. Um, it, it has about 21 grams of protein per pint, 30 grams, I'm sorry, 30% of your daily value of iron, potassium, magnesium, um, just, I mean, it's just very, very, it's, I mean, 15 to 16 essential vitamins and nutrients. Mm-hmm. So the reality is, is like these options are just, instead of like take removing the cane sugar and using something like stevia or like, you know what I mean? Sugar alcohols, I'm using yeah. as fruit-based sweeteners so that you're not just 
not having cane sugar, but now you get a whole nother complex taste and flavor. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much ice cream you eat, but I kind of stopped eating ice cream because for me, it tastes like a bowl full of frozen flavored sugar. Mm. It's like, you don't taste anything. It's not complex. It's just like a very simple, very straightforward sugar with a little bit of vanilla or a little bit of strawberry or a little bit of chocolate, you know? Yeah. Um, and so my product is something that's just like, you're not being overwhelmed by that sugar taste. You're just getting all these complex blends of, of, of flavors in your mouth. And it's just like, you get to experience all of them at the same time. Um, and it's just like, it's like a whole experience, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, it sounds amazing. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now jealous. I actually don't think I've yet, be, be, thanks to COVID, our, our good friend COVID, I've not been able to be someplace where you are and get a chance to sample it. But it sounds like uh, you're marching toward uh, grocery distribution. And that is a pretty tough pivot. You know, we've got a lot of clients and other folks in our network who um, have are, are, or have been for a while navigating the, the CPG side of of uh, the the food business and it's it's pretty different from from what you had been doing previously tell me more about why um shift from or why add to the business that had been primarily uh the gelato shop in in arlington to uh, explore this uh, uh this opportunity that you're that, that you're chasing now and and getting into gr- grocery stores mm-hmm. so the entire plan has always been to get into grocery stores. That mm-hmm. was from the beginning. That was always the the goal. Um, the, the shop happened. Uh, actually, I started off at farmers markets and wineries. And so uh, for the whole up until December of, of uh, December 21st to 2019, I was just doing farmers markets and wineries. Um, and then on December 21st, I opened my, my brick and mortar. And so, I mean, I was only open for about three months before COVID hit. The best thing about the retail or the grocery store space is that it allows you to reach a larger audience um, in a shorter period of time, if you try to spread like a brand, like if you try to do the whole open the retail location here, open the retail location there, uh, then things like COVID happen. And then you shut down, <laughs> you, you lose everything one, but, yeah. um, but I mean, the other side of things is like, I'm, I'm a solo founder. Um, and even after opening my first store and seeing like how much work it is, like, it's going to take me a while before I'm going to be able to open up my own my second store. You know what I mean? Right. And to just grow it that way. And so it honestly just seemed like it would be a smarter plan for me on my part. If I focused, I'm doing both still, but like if I focus on building the grocery store side of things. Right. And how has that, how has that been? Where, where have you um, uh, met the uh, where have you met challenges and where have you do you feel like you're you're having the success that that you want to have well i think the biggest challenges i was facing was that i didn't everyone could say they want to be in the grocery store right but how do you actually get there yeah um and so that was a huge question for me so i got accepted into the chibani incubator um back uh in at the end of last year and they helped a lot with that uh, well, at least at least they help with the whole food side of things, like at least opening my eyes to like where how to get into whole foods, um, which still hasn't happened yet. But I don't think it was until I started working with Spark Change that I actually realized like I, I found more people to contact, to connect with like distributors and um, like N- NCG and Infra, um, other organizations that were outside of the whole foods realm um, that would help me to 
you mean get into that space because I mean reality is that trying to get into a distributor like even trying to find a distributor like apparently back in the day there used to be a whole, like a ton of like ice cream specific distributors across the country yeah um and over time it is like narrowed and narrowed and narrowed and like it's it's very it's very difficult now it's like a very small group because everyone's just combined with each other you know um yeah. and so just trying to find a distributor that's not going to be like a big huge company that's going to make me pay like twenty four thousand dollars in fees every couple of years um just to have my product in their in their warehouses it's um i mean it's been i mean it, i think everything's been a challenge with it uh i've been picked up by one grocery store already like in grocery stores and i've been i've been picked up by another but i can't get in there until i can get a find a distributor and so there's always this chicken before the egg like can you get can you get into grocery stores without having a distributor? And then can you get into a distributor without having grocery stores? Um, so it's, I mean, I haven't, I haven't overcome it yet. I'm still, yeah. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. So. Yeah. And your, uh, it, it, the part of that journey is, you know, just inherent in, in, you know, the, some of those early stage challenges of, of, uh, of kind of breaking through and um some of that is is unique to uh to the dynamic that covid 19 has has presented yeah. and one thing i want to circle back on that you mentioned is uh you mentioned something called spark change which i'll just for those in the audience that don't know what that is i'll just kind of briefly explain that it is a a virtual product discovery platform that uh, the new hope network uh created as uh as an alternative to in-person trade shows and and uh going forward as a as a complement to those uh in-person trade shows like expo east and expo west and among other things that you've been doing to to get get the traction that you have you really leaned in and took advantage of that platform like there uh, that 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 is one of the things that i definitely noticed about you yeah, I mean, if someone tells me that, okay, if I'm if I'm asking the question, how do you how do you get into grocery stores, and someone says, oh, this is how you do it, and I'm giving the opportunity, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna just yeah throw it away. Like, I need this. Like I said, I mean earlier, I need this to be successful. So whether that's me being up until two o'clock in the morning searching um, and sending messages to different distributors and hoping that somebody messages messages me back, like that's what it has to be. Um, so I mean, the reality the reality is, is that I can't do this by myself. And so if people are willing to hand out, give me a hand, then I'm going to take it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, as, as you kind of um, look at how much progress you've made, I got one thing I want to like take a moment and acknowledge, cause I know, you know, it, it, it feels like the road ahead is long <laughs> and arduous. And in fact it is. And yet you've, you've, made tremendous progress um and uh, you frankly you've made more progress than you know a lot of founders don't even make it to the step that you've reached so as you kind of look at uh how much progress you've managed to make and uh what uh it is that it took to get there is there anything that you can kind of point to um that 
knowing that there's there's a lot of founders in the audience in this in the, for this podcast folks who are in you know maybe exactly your shoes sort of in in the stage of their company or or maybe they're even a little bit earlier stage is there is there anything that you can point to as sort of like a source of advice or a source of hope that was that has been key for you helping you um, make the progress that you've made so far yeah i mean reality is that I plan. I'm a planner. That's that's what I do. Ah. Um, and so while it looks like I made all this progress in just this one year, um, when I was in Djibouti, I mean, granted, I didn't I didn't actually settle on gelato until maybe about maybe two months before I got back home. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I was reading every book I could find about entrepreneurship, about growing your business, about I knew it was going to be in food. So like I looked, I, I read all these books and listened to everything I could about um, the pitfalls and how other companies failed why they failed, what mistakes they made along the way. Um, And then I made a plan. Like I made a serious plan. Like I will be here by this date. I will be here by this date. Mm -hmm. Um, And though everything hasn't worked out as quickly as I thought it might, apparently I'm still ahead of the game. (laughs) Um, But I think that planning is the key, is, is the key. And like having real plans, not just like, not just saying I want to be in this many grocery stores by this date, but actually working to make that happen. Um, like when I tell you that I'm applying for every single pitch competition, <laughs> I'm, I'm applying for every, like every, I'm reaching out to investors all the time. I'm, I'm making all these meetings. I have back-to-back meetings scheduled most of the time. I'm trying to figure out like how, like pivoting, like where to pivot. Like you just, you really just have to plan. And then when, understand that when your plans fall through that does not mean that you failed it just it means that you have another opportunity to take a different step like you know I mean go in a different direction um and so I think that having that ability to have like this and the funniest thing about it actually is that like I'm a glass half empty type of person mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, when it comes to like making plans unless something has actually failed. And when I say failed, I mean that there's no alternative. There's no, there's no pivot to be made. I will find that alternative route. You know what I mean? And I think that might be a little bit of the military in my, in my veins, but um, the mission is not a failure until it is a failure. Mm. And like, it's very difficult for things to actually fail. Um, You know what I mean? So like, so take, take what I'm saying about the stores, right? So restaurants across the country, especially ice cream, down 90 to 80% um, in, in just because of COVID. Um, a lot of places are shutting their doors permanently. And it's just like, well, how did you not shut your doors, right? And so the answer to that question is like, I pivoted. Like I, I started focusing on delivering, right? I started trying to figure out how to ship nationwide um, without losing money because that's a huge thing in ice cream. Uh, and I'm still working on that part, actually. Um, <laughs> but so my solution actually is is a I'm working on a um, an instant gelato that you can um, it, it wouldn't be frozen ahead of time. You can actually freeze it on the spot. Um, and so that's what I'm working on right now. But um, that's but that's the way I would eliminate my problem. Right. That's my biggest problem. I'm trying to eliminate it by creating something new. So I think that the, the, the key, I think, or the device I would give is like. Just because you tripped doesn't mean you have to fall. Mm. Catch yourself and keep it moving. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. That's it right there. I mean, just keep going. You're not. You haven't failed. 
the 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 level of um perseverance that what you just said displays is i think in and of itself such a source of of um inspiration and motivation for the folks in the audience and for a lot of the founders that i know because to your point it it, it, it part of the entrepreneurial mindset is that your definition of failure has got to be uh different you yeah. know because if if your definition of failure is you stumble once or you get told no two or three times or you know you're up at two o'clock in the morning stressed out too often there's a long list of things if that's the definition of failure there's just this is not the business for you yeah i mean yeah it's, it's all about like it has to be fluid like failure has to be or not failure i think success has to be fluid right um and like the way that you measure success I guess, and I guess you know, it's our society that has created us into these these creatures, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're in school, the way you measure success is like by your grades, right? So either you get an A, you know what I mean, or something in between. But like you have a actual grade, and it tells you whether you failed or not. Um, but reality is that a lot of kids they they know the information, they're just failing their tests. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like they know the information, or maybe they just can't figure out how to properly learn. Like people have learned disabilities, and all this stuff. It doesn't mean they're stupid. It just means that they're different. Um, And so I think that because society has told us, like, if you get this thing, if this thing happens, you have failed Um, and we accepted it, you know? And so if you carry that mindset on with you into the entrepreneurial world, you will fail. But if you understand that, like, even when they were telling us that, that it wasn't true, you know what I mean? Then you can succeed. And whether that's succeeding in your first idea or succeeding in your second idea, it doesn't matter. You can still succeed. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, uh, I'm going to uh, thank you for the time that you've given. Um, and I hope that uh, the folks in the audience, not only uh, for those of you who are founders, not only do I hope that you take a ton of, of advice and inspiration from this conversation, for the investors and retailers in the audience, y'all need to get on the Teresa train. Like <laughs> this, this needs to happen. Stat, uh, like you have put in the work, you've built the product, and you're right on the cusp of it. And I, I absolutely wish you the best, and will do what I can to to help you reach that that full potential that you uh, that that you and your daughter have uh, have set up for yourselves. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on today. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, it's difficult to be um, a solo founder and then like to not to know anybody in the industry and to get any type of like um, opportunities. So I really appreciate you giving me this one. Well, it was our honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brand New Blueprint. If you want help or additional tools to apply what you learned in this episode, just text the word BLUEPRINT to 66866. This podcast is a production of Smoketown, a boutique consultancy that helps emerging brands reach their growth potential. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe to get the latest one. And a big thank you to the regulars for the beats. Beats.